Welcome to The Art of Creative Living, a podcast for heart-centred creatives and entrepreneurs who want to be true to themselves, follow their heart rather than their fears, and cultivate personal freedom, self-expression and joy in their work and life. I'm your host, Nicola Newman, an award-winning artist, creative mentor and business coach, writer and founder of Flourish, The Art of Creative Living, a year-long creativity school. And I'm currently cruising the east coast of Australia in a 35-foot sailboat. This podcast is for you if you're ready to be brave, follow your heart, nurture your self-belief and bring to life what you long to create in the world. And you are listening to episode eight of season one. I'm so excited to be joined by Denise Duffield-Thomas today. Denise is a money mindset mentor for the new wave of entrepreneurs and is one of the most inspiring yet at the same time real and down-to-earth entrepreneurs that I know. In this episode, she shares some of the surprising ways she's cultivating her creativity these days and how that fits in with her business. Plus, she lays out the practical processes she used to help her finish writing her new book, Chillpreneur. We also talk about giving yourself permission to do business in a way that works for you and fits your personality and strengths. We had some great laughs in this conversation, and after spending time with Denise, I always come away feeling inspired and uplifted, so I'm truly delighted to get to share her with you today so you can be inspired too. Let's dive in. Denise, it's so exciting to have you on the podcast here today. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us and share your journey and your experience of being, well, very successful in your heart-led business. So let's dive in. Okay. I wish I was on the boat with you today. That would be so nice. (laughs) It would be nice. It would be nice. I was going to give you a little boat tour and then I realized I don't have to. You've been on board. You know what it's like. I've been there and (laughs) our kids loved it. I think that especially Willow, she loves things that are, like have a place and you, the fact that you have everything has a place on the boat was so exciting for her. It's very good um, for yeah, the melancholy, you know, organised, everything put away so it doesn't fall on your head when you're sailing. <laughs> um, so Andrew actually said to let me let you know that you and Mark are more than welcome and the kids to come up for a sail if you feel like coming up to the Gold Coast over the holidays too. So oh my God. Yeah. You know what? This is part of, I guess, what I'm talking about a lot at the moment about being a mom and being in business. And we've decided that travel for us at the moment is in the way too hard basket. And I'm really learning about seasons of life, you know, and it's like, this is not the season for us to travel right now. We could, and I see people doing it, um, but it's just not the season and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's so, definitely so important to go with that. I found that too, when I got married, it was time to just focus on being married for a few years. And it was really nice to be, to have that distinction in my mind. Mind you, we did a lot of travel, but that's different when you don't have kids just a dog (laughs) so when I'm curious to know um when did you know that you wanted to start a business always 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 yeah um yeah even from a really young age I was a very entrepreneurial kid um I was always studying clubs as well with my friends and we would have a clubhouse and we would have meetings and minutes and and I think it was from the babysitter's club books (laughs) Like, you know, we're both probably at that perfect age of when they came out. And I remember when, you know, a new one came out and they were always really colourful and you could line them all up and see this beautiful rainbow. And the fact that they had a business and 
you know, I loved that they would have meetings and take minutes mm. and it was just so beautiful. And I didn't want to start a babysitter's club, but I, I would sell things and create little businesses and things like that. But the other reason for me is, yes, I was definitely kind of wired that way to be an entrepreneur, but I was very much driven by a desire to be financially independent because I saw my mom didn't have much power around money. Her mother didn't. And my, my nan used to, you know, she, she definitely felt trapped financially in her, in her marriage. And so I was just like, I never, ever want to be so trapped that I have to stay in a bad situation purely because of money. Mm. Um, and that, that still drives me now, not so much for my own benefit anymore, but I see people who are just stuck in some shitty situations or, mm. you know, and I just think money is one of the easiest things in the world really to, to get, even though I know people hearing that will think, no, that's not true. It's like, that's actually really easy. Mm. You know, it's, and it's, um, when, when you get that, but it, it just gives you so much choice give you so much choice and that's my big passion now is just making sure that women have enough money and it's not about being a millionaire because no one necessarily needs that you know to be able to make decisions for themselves but it's the choice whether it's mm. being able to choose where you want to live or how you live or who you live with and what you put up with in your life and so many women have to put up with a lot of stuff purely because they don't have any choice mm-hmm. yeah and that's so um Oh, it's so true. I can see it in people around me and it's quite heartbreaking. So I imagine that's a beautiful motivator for you to stay connected to that, that sense of purpose in your business. Now that you've achieved a lot of the things that you've probably set out for yourself and a lot of financial um, choice, but to be able to stay connected to seeing that for other women is really beautiful. Hmm. So how did you choose what to focus on in your business? Because I remember, I, I know you've gone through a few different evolutions and maybe you could take us a little bit on that journey for people who haven't, are not familiar with your story. Sure. So I honestly think I, I could have done what I'm doing now when I was 19 because I was president of the business club at my university. Every week I had to run personal development workshops. Uh, I was very much involved in youth leadership and youth mentoring, but I, I didn't think that was a real job. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, well, this is great while I'm at university and this is a great passion. Um, but I didn't think that was a real job. Um, so I knew I was entrepreneurial and I knew I wanted to make my own money and I didn't see how my personal love for personal development and personal growth was a job. So I would just went into other things. I, um, I remember one of my (laughs) evolutions was I worked for a real estate company as one of their sales trainers. And I loved reading books from like Zig Ziglar and um, (laughs) other kind of business books and Richard Branson. And so I said to him, Hey, cool. I'll, I'll create a sales and marketing bootcamp for you. (laughs) And, you know, I was kind of early twenties and that was probably one of the closest businesses I came to, to what I do now. But a lot of the other ones were a bit random. I was like, Oh, I was doing internet dating and I went, men suck at internet dating. I'll write a book about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many of our businesses come from a place of, oh, there's a problem. 
I should be the one to come up with a solution for it. Mm. And what I've learned now is that not every problem in the world is my responsibility (laughs) (laughs) to deal with. Um, And not every idea is a good idea. And it's okay. Like I have a gift of helping people and motivating people with Mm. their money stuff. And so it was an evolution, an evolution for sure. Um, and an evolution of, oh, what feels good? What feels bad? Oh, this kind of client feels good. Oh, this kind of client, I don't feel like I can help them. And um, yeah, so I, I feel like I've come full circle, but really I could have been doing this work 20 years ago <laughs> if I'd given myself permission or if I knew that it was okay to want what I wanted and to to do what was I was naturally good at. Um, mm. Yeah, and also some of that is like the tools really to create a global business have only really come in in the last five, ten years. Yeah, exactly. Things have changed yeah. so dramatically. Even like for me, because my parents were um, very successful when I was growing up and we spent uh, a year off travelling when I was 12 and part of that time was living on a boat and sailing from Mooloolaba down to Hobart and up to Townsville and back to Mooloolaba. And my parents continued to work while we were doing that, but they all that they could use was um, it was a thing called Amvox back then. It was like you could leave a voice message to your group and people could then log in and come and listen to your message. And my dad was always sending out these Amvox messages of, Hey, we're in, you know, um, seal rocks and we've gone snorkeling with the seals and it's amazing. Um, But it's not, you know, that was 20, how old am I now? So 25 years ago. Things have changed so much. We have so much opportunity. I think we're so lucky to live when we, as we do now. Mm. Oh, we really are. And, you know, I've just finished recording um, my audio book for Chillpreneur, which comes out in February. Awesome. And the very last chapter is about honouring your grandmother because my, my nan, I'm sure she would have been a great entrepreneur out of necessity probably. She had four kids. and um, But when I think of the opportunity that we have to create financial independence for ourselves our grandmothers would have loved to have these tools and we're not necessarily utilizing them because I think so many of us have fear mm-hmm. you know and it's like if that's the only thing that's holding us back is just the fear it's not the opportunity um, we've got to get over the fear and think of your grandma you know mm-hmm. think of how much she would love to have our life and, and the opportunities we have mm-hmm. And it's also lovely too that we have an opportunity now to learn from other women in this space. I was reading a really interesting book about mm. um, motherhood and creativity the other day and, and the author was talking about, um, it's the book's called The Rainbow Way and she was talking about wondering with a friend of hers why she, it was that women were so interested in each other's lives and, you know, blogs have taken off and we want to learn about how other women have done it. We're kind of sometimes looking for permission and, and, and um, an example of what the way forward. And she was coming up with a theory of why that was when she saw that her husband didn't feel that need so much. And they had this hypothesis, hypothesis, hypothesis that uh, it was because we don't see examples of women in history you know in in the art galleries it's 80 percent at least men are on the walls of painters and representing men's lives and in books and things whereas today we well we have the amazing opportunity to read each other's blogs and to to listen to these podcasts and actually find out what other women are doing and how we how we can also 
face our fears and move forward. So what do you do, Denise? Because I know that you also have fears around things and you have, you're reluctant sometimes to promote yourself or to do things that really will help to move your f- business forward. So what do you rely on to help you find the courage when you feel those feelings come up? Well, definitely reading about other women's financial success in my early days was a game changer for me. Um, you know, uh, Leonie Dawson, reading about her success, she was one of the first people that I'd heard about who would talk about how much money she made. Mm. And I remember she shared, oh, I made $5,000. And I was like, Mark, come and have a look. Look, she's such a hippie. She's not even super organized, you know, and I love Leonie. But she's so herself. And I was yeah. like, wow, she could do it. Maybe I could do it. And then I remember she did a launch that was like $70,000 or something. And I just went, I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, Mark, have a look at this. You know, this is crazy. <laughs> um, so that has helped me, especially when they're people that I know, because then I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. just one step removed from her. And she's, she's somebody I know. And she's like me. And she, you know, she doesn't have any superpowers that I know of. She's just a normal person. So that is that has really, really helped. Um, the other thing I think is really good for people to hear is that everyone does have fear, and that's 100% true. And I remember one of my early mentors, Ali Brown, um, she was a millionaire by 35, and I was like, wow, if she could do it, maybe I could do it. And I think I... I hit that million dollar revenue mark a couple of weeks before my 36th birthday. And I was like, yes, I did it. But um, I remember asking her at one of her conferences, I was like, does the fear ever go away? And she said, no, it doesn't. And I was like, fuck, why? Mm. Um, and I was reflecting just before this call. I thought, what am I scared of at the moment? And I want people to hear that this money blocks conversation about dealing with your fears around money. It's, ongoing it's an ongoing conversation the thing that I'm fearful about at the moment that um, I've started to send out proposals for me to speak at people's conferences Mm. and you know I'm charging for that and and I was like it's not even a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things but I've had this horrible feeling around self-worth and it's like oh Mm. people won't want to pay for me to come to their conference and like why should they pay I should just go and speak for free and it's such an interesting feeling to go oh my god there's never a time where you're going to feel okay about everything Mm. and I always say to people like the things that scare you today won't scare you tomorrow but there's always new stuff to be scared of or there's always a new (laughs) nuance to the conversation Mm. and it's usually the same stuff and it's really comes down to am I worthy am Mm. I worthy of this am I allowed to have what I want and People sometimes surprised to hear that, that I still have to work on my money mindset as if it's like doesn't work or something. And I was like, no, it's just because we're human. Mm-hmm. We're fearful creatures all the time. We're always scared. And it's like Zig Ziglar says, it's like taking a bath. You have to do it every day. Otherwise, you start to stink. <laughs> you know, it's not a, a one-shot solution. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And as your life um, circumstances evolve and as your desires evolve you know you want to expand into new things of course it's going to be scary when you're doing something particularly when it's new hey yeah yeah absolutely and you know some of the things that I worry about now is that um, you know my life is too abundant that people won't relate to me anymore or they won't like me anymore if I'm too successful and mm. um, yeah you know we've it's been an interesting journey of um, we've bought some houses recently and we're building a dream house and there's stuff like that that I'm like oh this feels a bit weird mm. I'm like oh is this am I allowed to have this 
um, especially at the moment where we see so much suffering in the world. Um, and it, it weighs on me, you know, at night, I'm, I wait, it, not so much like, oh, I, I feel guilty, but it's more like, I feel helpless. I'm like, oh, how can I solve that problem of babies dying of starvation in Yemen? And, oh, it's just, that's part of, I think, being a woman mm-hmm. a lot of the time and being someone who um, wants to change the world. But it's it can be really tricky, I think, for women to feel that of like, am I allowed to have success? Does that mean that someone else misses out? Mm-hmm. And me buying a house doesn't mean that I'm causing starvation in Yemen. Um, but I'm very aware now of um, how can I use my influence and my money for good mm-hmm. without feeling paralysed by it? You know, because I know that if I make more money, I can help more people. But there's still a feeling of me of like, oh, it's inappropriate to want more. Isn't that so interesting? I wonder if, um, it does not that it has to be a debate about gender, but I wonder if it happens for men that they feel that also, or if it's sort of a a bit more accepted that that you can be very successful and also um, compassionate. Mm. I I don't know. All I know is that Mark falls asleep within two minutes, and sometimes I'm awake for forty five minutes worrying about the problems of the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's something I really I'm working on personally um, of trying to find ways to chill out a bit or make sure I have magnesium because yes. I know that the world isn't served by me saying like it's not like I'm not going to care about problems <laughs> in the world yeah. and not want to help solve them if I'm not personally awake yes trying to hold the world up (laughs) yes yes magnesium is amazing i find that too i need magnesium to sleep well Mm. yeah um and so tell us a little bit about i'm so excited i've pre-ordered your book it might have already come out be released by the time people are listening to this um but i was so fascinated to hear your process that went into writing this book and um <laughs> the logistical process well yeah and how you've you did, 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 did does it include interviews with other people as well because tell, tell us a little bit about that maybe i've got um, my story wrong so it does have a little bit like but mostly i would say in groups i'm in i'm like hey guys what do you think about this and then i would add in a few hmm. um bits and pieces but i am a terrible terrible writer i have um i'm such a procrastinator so if I sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write, I might write a paragraph and then scroll on Instagram for 45 minutes. I might, <laughs> you know, maybe crank out a thousand words a day and then I'll be so exhausted. So I'm, I don't really consider myself a writer, writer, which is really funny. But um, what I had to do for this book, because I knew I needed some accountability, I actually hired a book coach mm. and she helped me come up with the structure of the book um, I had homework, so I had to send her chapters at the end of every week and then she would send me back feedback. And what was really great about that is that sometimes I think I've said something, but I've left out a big logic gap because I know it in my head. Mm-hmm. So she'd be like, you didn't finish that story. Or she'd be like, what happened to that florist that you mentioned? And I was like, oh, I forgot about her. Okay, let me finish that story off. Um, so that was a really great creative process to be able to have. Um, like a sounding board, you know, and she would say, well, tell me a little bit more about this. And um, it, it was just, it was really, really great. And I, I'm a big fan of accountability. I think that, that um, you need deadlines sometimes for creative work because it's very easy to 
not take the time, not um, create space for your creative work. And, you know, I did have a deadline with my publisher, but they kind of just said, okay, cool, see you in a year, hand in your manuscript. Um, I knew I needed something in between that because my marketing thesis, I I left it for a year and then had to do it in three weeks. And I was like, I cannot do this (laughs) with this book because it was due at the same time as my number three baby. And I was like, oh, no, I cannot. I cannot do this when I'm like nine months pregnant, cranked out a book in three weeks. Um, so yeah, that was my process for it. And it was really, it was really useful and challenging to yeah. just to have that discipline of sitting down and writing a book. Wow. Um, it's not any, you know, I think people think that writing a book is, is really complicated. It's not, but you have to sit down like bum on seat mm. um, and take the time to do it. Mm. I love that you brought in the support that you needed to create a structure that, that um, we talk, there's a lot, a lot of talk about creative tension and setting up a structure like that creates that tension where you have to keep move, moving forward um, in a way that works for you. That's really great. Yeah. Well, I needed it because I was going to procrastinate the hell out of that book if I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you knew from past experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I was happy to pay for that. You know, I pretty much mm-hmm. spent my whole advance, um, on paying for the book coach and it was worth it because I just I I didn't want to stress myself out and that's my big thing and that's the big message of the book too is don't stress yourself out find what works for you find your path of least resistance and so I knew I needed to kind of walk my talk around that And is it so? Is your book? Um, would you say it's largely about giving permission for people to do things the way that they work, works for them? Because there's so Definitely. much, yeah, so much messaging, isn't there? Of you know, do things this way, and this is the way it's worked for me. So you have to do it this way. And in fact, there's so many ways to paint a painting. There's so many ways to build a business. <laughs> exactly. And I think a couple of years ago, I stopped giving business advice to anybody because mm. I was like, well, it depends. What's your personality? Like, what's your home situation? What's your capacity like? Everyone's got different capacities for work. Mm. Um, What are your goals? Like, what do you want? And so I just realized it was a really complex thing, you know, and and people were even saying, well, I want a business like yours. And it's like, yeah, but my personality is different. Yes. Maybe it's not going to work for you. Maybe it wouldn't feel good for you. Mm. Um, People ask me, oh, should I quit my job and start my business? And I'm like, it depends. Like, what's your capacity for risk? You know, what's Mm. your, do you get paralyzed by pressure or do you thrive on it? Um, So the book is kind of about like giving people permission to want what they want and also doing a bit of exploration to figure out what that is Mm. for you and what feels good for you. What's your path of least resistance. Mm. It does go a little bit into some like nitty gritty. Oh, you, you're mentioned in the book too, actually. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's exciting. It's all these people. I'm like, Oh, I'll just like, you know, take a quote from their blog. I didn't speak, didn't ask them. Yes. Well, I put in there about how um, there's different business models, right? And, you know, if you're an artist, you're a maker, mm. but a lot of artists can bring in other forms. So you, you know, you had, you're a teacher because you taught other people how to be creative and, mm. you know, you've got a mastermind and you've got so I use that as an example about how it's not just one thing anymore and you you must see this a lot with artists they're like well I can't make money out of just being an artist and it's like well you can Mm. you know you have to deal with your money stuff around it but it's also okay to bring in other like business models and Mm. and change things up and teach people what you do Mm. and some people feel like they have to hoard that information because they're like oh but if I show people then no one will buy my artwork 
And it's actually not the case. It just brings in really lovely avenues of people actually, some people love to see the behind the scenes of how artists make things. And it actually makes them want to work with that person even more or buy from that person. So yeah, you're, you're mentioned in there. I should have told you beforehand. <laughs> That's very exciting. I'm, I'm even like, if I could be more excited, I am more excited to read the book now. Thank you. <laughs> and so you're, you're very, um, very productive really and you're often putting out creative projects into the world you've written three books now you've um released uh a number like lots of online courses over the years but your main two i suppose would be the money boot camp and yeah. the creative that's sorry not creative the um, money archetypes is that right yeah 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 and so in order to create these things what feeds your inspiration would you say what what helps you to stay in the flow and wanting to make things for your business Mm, that's such a great question first of all I do not consider myself a productive person (laughs) I really don't I think one of the reasons why I can create a lot is because I can be very efficient sometimes about how I do it yeah so I batch things um, so, you know, you, you remember this from when we were in Bangalore together, I hired an Airbnb and a guy to come and film and we filmed, oh God, I don't even remember 60 videos or something over a yeah. couple of days. Yeah. Um, so I need to have those, um, I need to create space and containers for that work. Otherwise, if I just do it when I feel like it, it probably won't happen. I don't think I'm good at making things consistently, but I'm good at, like short bursts of creativity and then I drip feed them out. So it looks like Mm. I'm really consistent, Mm. but the truth is I'm probably not. Um, I did the same one time with my blog. I created a year's worth of blog videos in like two days because, and I didn't want to do it. I resist it. But what I usually do is I'll book the person and then I pay deposit and then I'm like, shit, now I have to write the scripts. <laughs> now I have to. So that's the only way I motivate myself, I think, is through deadlines. Mm. Um, and I think at the moment, what I've really tried to do with my business is kept, kept it very simple. Um, I've had the money boot camp now since 2012. And every two years or so, I'll refresh the content. Um, but what I'm interested in at the moment is I actually feel like I don't, my business doesn't necessarily need to be an outlet for my creativity. Mm. Um, my business is a way that I help people um, and I, you know I've got something that can help people I don't need to revamp it every couple of months to help people because yeah. it works as it is mm-hmm. so what I've been doing the last couple of months which you'll you love is um, finding other outlets you know and, and I'm very much inspired by the way you speak about things like this because I was remembering as a kid I was like oh my god I used to make paper and <laughs> press flowers and do random artwork and always had something like that on the go sewing latch hook cross stitch and I think that all got sucked away the last couple of years because I was about marketing funnels and blogs and things like that and I'm like you know what I've got 300 blogs out there I don't need to make more Mm. you know that's enough for people to go and, and get what they need so um my friend and I in Newcastle we started a we call it a granny club (laughs) <laughs> we've only had two meetups we had one in october one in november yes um, but you know we got together and we made room sprays and ate cake oh. and then we made christmas decorations and, you made the stars um, didn't you the paper stars is yeah. that why you did that they looked great yeah, yeah. it was amazing we just got together we watched a youtube video 
Um, some other people were working on different things in the wow. new year. Like I, I made an apron out of a pair of jeans. Wow. Um, yeah, just fun stuff. And um, I really want to get in a, a flower press again because now we've bought a rose farm. Um, yes. Press some flowers. And, Beautiful. you know, just I want to – and this is the thing about this whole rose farm that we just bought yes. recently – it's, I want it to be a hub for creativity, not necessarily business. So, mm. um, you know, I want to run retreats there, but they're not going to be retreats where we sit and talk about marketing funnels. It'll be like, let's go and like play with the roses for half an hour because mm. sometimes entrepreneurs, as you know, need time and space. Mm-hmm. They, they know the answers, but they just haven't given themselves permission to sit and think about it mm. or to be around other women or to do something outside of their business that will then spark something off and then go, oh, okay, that's the solution to the problem mm-hmm. um, that I was looking at. So, yeah, I, and I was the fun thing about the Rose Farm now too, I'm like, oh, my God, I can do all these creative projects and just tax deduct it all. Yes. It will be a business. So I was thinking, I want to just learn how to arrange flowers. I don't want it to be my job. I just want to have a florist thing. So I was like, oh, I can hire a teacher to come in to teach me as like a private lesson, but then I can – sell tickets to it yes yes yeah I can have someone to come in and and run a flower press workshop or uh, um, make perfume or make rose petal jelly oh like God. all the stuff that I want to do I was like oh I can then just invite people and who cares if no one comes because I'll be happy having a private lesson either way <laughs> having a having a play and um I've got the biggest smile on my face right now this is like a mixture of the babysitters club with you know everything that you love as a child coming to life as a grown woman in in a, in a business um forum it's actually like exactly. that's actually genius Denise genius <laughs> <laughs> and it's great because it will be it's going to be run as a business but it will be a place for females to come mostly for women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like, Oh, that will motivate me to keep on doing my business because I want to commission like life-size goddess statues. Mm. I was like, well, each statue will probably cost five, ten, $10,000. To be honest, I'm not that motivated to launch stuff in my business anymore, Mm. except for, you know, I love helping people, but I know I'll be like, okay, well I'll launch so I can get this life-size, you know, Fortuna statue. created that i can put in the garden wow cool that'd be amazing have you been to heidi have you ever been to heidi um heidi museum in it's outside melbourne um they have a beautiful garden and they have it's a sculpture garden um i highly recommend it next time you're in victoria uh just go for a drive out it's not that far from the center of town in melbourne and you can take public transport if you have a you know without car there but it's um it's beautiful and they have all uh, sculptures by very well-known artists and um, and plus a gallery too in an old house that used to be um, lived in by artists back in like the 50s and 60s oh, it's a it's an Australian cool. icon yeah you might find inspiration oh, for your garden <laughs> well you know I think that's the thing I'm struggling with a little bit this feeling of like oh it has to happen all now mm. and it doesn't you know no. I'm thinking some parts of the garden might not even come to life until I've being on a retreat myself in the south of France yeah and I want it to be a place where things can unfold um what's really fascinating is that we're actually building a beach house at the moment and the whole process has been very masculine you Mm -hmm. know all of our architects masculine our project managers obviously all the tradies on site you know like they're there they're like lugging things around with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth it's hilarious (laughs) 
and um, at every stage, I feel like I've been kind of almost fighting with Mark about the beach house because he has a very specific vision for it. And so now I'm like, fine, have what you want because the rose farm is going to be mine. Like I'm like, I'm going to do a, a pink barn and it's, there's going to be crystals everywhere and it's going to be so freaking girly and <laughs> you can't tell me, you know, it's like, cool, you had that one, now it's my turn. That's awesome. Yesterday, um, I bought some new bed linen and um, Andrew came with me for the first half of the day and he's like, no, I'm not having a pink cushion on the bed. And I'm like, well, I think you are. And anyway, we ended up with one pink and one blue <laughs> cushion. Perfect. And um, yeah, anyway, that's, that's finding ways. And if you need two separate houses to express your full masculine and feminine sides, go for it. I love it. <laughs> Embrace it. Yeah, well, I think I I really see it as a place where women can come together. So it is going to be very feminine. You know, I was thinking about um, at some point maybe we'd rent it out to weddings, but it's going to be a very romantic, very pink, um, beautiful place. And it's one of those places, you know, when you're building a house, and even though I hope that the house we're building is our forever house, you still kind of think, oh, you have to you know think of resale value at some point in the future for the rose farm no i'm like no. this is this is about creativity and yeah oh that's awesome. pleasure yeah and play and those things they all um nourish us and feed back into our work in such um sustaining ways so it's it fits in beautifully with what your your message is already too mm. Yes, and you know, it's almost about that season thing that I mentioned. I know it's actually not the right season for me to do some of those things out at the Rose Farm, but beautifully, it's about planting the seeds yeah. in the future. And even when we found this property, it's a very unique property that is um, surrounded by fully grown poplar trees. Oh, I love poplar trees. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's so, when we saw it, First of all, Mark said, like, this is just not the right time for us to buy a property like this. Like, you know, we we both wanted to have something that's a legacy thing for us. And I said to him, you can always find money, but you, you can't buy fully grown poplar trees. Like, this is something that someone planted, I don't know how many, you know, decades ago probably. And we can benefit from that. Otherwise, if we find something and plant it, we're not going to be able to benefit from that in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it's that real divine timing thing. And I just felt like even even though we're actually going to get some tenants in there for the next year because we've got so much going on, mm. I'm like, oh, this is okay. This is planting seeds. And I don't know when that's going to come to fruition or how we're going to use it or, you know, running business retreats or whatever. But mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's something for me in like a decade's time I'll be fully immersed into that space. I just mm. have to, you know, buy it now and let it germinate a little bit. Yes, beautiful. Now, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you foster an authentic connection with your community. And your connection with your community is so, I want to say rock solid. <laughs> like it just come, comes to me rock solid. It's um, from the outside looking in uh, and being your friend now for a number of years and seeing how this community has grown over the years astronomically from all the work and the seeds that you've planted. I was reading on your blog yesterday, how you were sharing how you got interviewed 200 times in a year. And like, that's a lot of groundwork. That's a lot of seeds planted over the years. Yeah. Seeds that you've done. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and something that's come to my mind recently was, um, 
I can feel a little bit scared sometimes going out and finding new people to bring welcome into my community. But the, the other day I realized the people that are going to be attracted to me are basically going to be much like the people that are already in my community. And they're lovely. And I love people in my community. I love talking with them. I love, um, you know, getting to know them and, and creating things that they find useful and having that shift of going, they're not all scary people that are beyond the, you know, container of my, my newsletter list. There's, there's other wonderful people out there. Um, it's just about showing up and, and being yourself really. But in your words, Denise, how do you love to foster an authentic connection with your audience? You know, it's definitely not like necessarily a deliberate strategy. I have found the best way for me to beat the imposter syndrome, which we all have, is just to share literally what I know. And I don't feel um, like an imposter anymore because I'm literally just telling the truth. You know, I'm just saying to people, this is what happened. <laughs> this, is what, this is what is. Yeah. Um, this is how much help I have at home. This is how much money I made last year. And so I don't feel like a fraud because if someone just says, you're a dick, it's like, well... I can't help that. This is literally what happened. <laughs> I'm not making anything up. Um, yes. So I think even just the criticism part, because I'm thinking someone said the other day, she goes, I hate your voice. It's so annoying. And I was like, okay, <laughs> Look, I didn't even take it personally. I was like, but it's my voice. So I can't change it. So yes. that's okay. I hate stuff too. Yes. You know, like I, I think I'm just very compassionate about, about haters because I'm just like, well, I hate heaps of stuff irrationally. <laughs> I understand. I'm not for everyone. Um, and you know, it's funny, I think because I have that attitude, I actually get very few haters because I'm just so unbothered by it. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm annoying. Yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I could, there was only one thing that I thought I did recently that was a little bit, um, maybe a bit contrived. And it was an article I did about how much help I have at home. One, I really desperately wanted to tell people because so many women, especially mums, say to me oh you're a super mom you do so much and I was like no I have so much help mm -hmm. you know I have so much help and so I just wanted to tell people that but I wrote it very deliberately because I wanted it to go a bit viral and I wanted it to go beyond my um, circle because I feel very comfortable in my circle you know and I think mm -hmm. there's definitely some comfort zone stuff that's coming up for me about getting out beyond you know who I know but as you said it's just bigger it's the same but it's just bigger mm -hmm. so I'm trying to think of that the other thing I had an epiphany around recently was about Australia. And I, this story comes up a lot for me. I always remember it. When I was maybe about eight or so, I was always into dancing. And my cousin, um, who was a teenager, had a video camera. And she was like, let me video you doing one of the dances. And I said, okay, but you can only film me from the back. <laughs> and it was almost like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to pretend it's not happening. And I find this, I do the same thing in Australia where someone goes, oh, you've got a new book out. And I'm like, let's pretend this is not happening. Mm. Um, and it's like, I'll write a book, but let's never talk about it. Mm. It's a very weird feeling. And I realized recently that Australia is that for me. I was like, if I just pretend that it's not happening, then I can be, feel okay about being visible. Mm. And so I, my biggest audience is America and I write everything for Americans and I do everything for the American market. I charge in US dollars and I realized it wasn't, yeah, I mean, there's logistical reasons around that for sure. But I was like, oh, I'm just hiding out. And I think that if nobody knows me in Australia, then I can just pretend that I'm not being visible. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a really weird feeling. 
Um, yeah, so I actually am doing a book tour in 2019, um, going to a few places. And I realized too that I was holding myself back from doing that because I thought, oh my God, I want to, if I want to go on tour, I would love to do like a big musical tour and have like tap dancing about money and do a big 42nd Street wearing the money. And it's almost like just sitting and talking about my book is just not good. You know, I'm like, oh, but I eventually I want to do this like big Vegas show. So how can I, why would people come and see me just talk, sit on a chair and talk about my book <laughs> with no tap shoes on? So very, yeah, mm. I can feel my edges of comfort zone really coming out and just being, you know what, it's okay just go and sit on a chair and talk about my book. Some people will come see that without mm. the, you know, tap dancers. Isn't that funny? Because as soon as you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'd come and see that. I'd be happy to listen to Denise chat about her book and, and all the things that you've shared in there. And and then I think about it for myself and I have the same thing come up. I'm like, oh, where's the tap dancing? You know, where's something to, to make it? If I was to share, like, I put a book out um, on Amazon two weeks ago. I've shared it on Instagram stories. I haven't even put it in my newsletter yet <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I'm really that happy with the cover and <laughs> But um, I'm just going to go for it because you can always change those things and tweak them as you go. But Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Perfectionism, huh? Perfectionism. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus there was logistics with finishing my launch, but um, I thought I'd, I would drip feed it out. But, um, but there's definitely still resistance within me of, of yeah, perfectionism, thinking is it good enough? Um, now, how do you like to do things in a chillpreneur way? What tools, processes or systems do you use to keep you on track and get all your projects done? Oh, and yeah. mm, love to hear this. So my philosophy around being a chillpreneur is first eliminate the things that you do not need to do yeah. in your business. You don't need to be everything to everyone. Sometimes I see this with content. It's like, oh, I want to try and solve everyone's problems. Mm. And it's okay to niche a little bit. And it's also okay to niche within your niche. I find sometimes that, um, you know, like say you've picked a topic for me, you know, money mindset. You want to be able to help people at all um, stages of their journey. And sometimes it's okay just to go, well, you know what? I really like working with beginners. Or mm. um, like my friend Catherine Hocking, who does um, launching consultations, she's like, I can't work with beginners. I need to work with people who have got a, a marketing budget and a team and it's okay to, to do that. So I always think if you can eliminate um, either, you know, clients you can no longer help or offerings, you know, Mark's um, doing some consulting at the moment and his new clients have got something like 15 different courses, Wow. you know, and it's like, Oh, just prune some of them. You know, one of them is 75% of their revenue and it's like, just do that. So that's my big thing is eliminate because then you just have more bandwidth mm. um, when you don't have to do everything for everyone. Then I like to automate. So I love, um, as I said, batching content and then using tools like social media schedulers to do mm. that out. Um, and then I like to outsource. So I actually don't like having a big team. That's not a chillpreneur business for me. For me, it could be different for someone else. Mm -hmm. um, some people love having a big team. For me, a chill a chill team is not having too many people to manage. Mm. So that's why I always eliminate first, then I automate, then I outsource and delegate. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's just trying to stay in my zone of genius. Like I really try not to um, – no, I think the, the cornerstone for this is enoughness. Yeah. You know, when you just think, oh, I could do more, I could help more people, I could market more, I could put more on social media. 
and just going, you know what? I'm just going to post one thing on social media a day. I don't need to post 20 things. Mm. That's enough. Mm. Um, you know, it's even with my Facebook group, I don't have to be in there 24 seven. You know, they can help each other. Yeah. That's enough. I've mm. done enough. Mm. Um, and actually, you know, we've, we're recording this in December, but I'm archiving my Facebook group over Christmas and I'll be doing that a little bit more in 2019, just saying to people, great, we're having a summer break. The group's closing down and that's really new for me. And that's, oh my goodness. That's, definitely, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> my, my, my mouth just dro- drawer has dropped and then you can unarchive it. Do you? You can just unarchive it. Oh, and the best thing is when it's archived, people can still read everything and they can watch everything. They just can't comment or start new posts. Yes. And you know, I've run that group literally every day since yeah. 2012. I've yeah. never had time off except for when I'm in the hospital with having a baby basically or on a plane. Yeah. And it felt really good just to say, hey, guys, we're taking a Christmas break. Like it's going to be closed for two and a half weeks over Christmas mm. and then we'll start back in January and we'll reopen the group. Um, you know what that's been a big lesson for me, what I've seen in 2018 is um, people having completions with their business. And you might've noticed this as well, even in your industry, but I've seen people like um, Sarah Wilson shut down her business. Mm. Um, Samantha Wills, the jewelry maker, shut down a big part of her business. And a lot of people just having endings with things. Mm. And I realized that I didn't have any endings. I was always an open loop when it came mm. to things like my group. And I was like, it's going to be really healthy to have proper openings and closings around things. And that's going to, I think that's going to help me feel a lot more chill with my business of just like, oh, people don't need me on Christmas day. Like <laughs> they did last year, tagging me. Oh, that's things. right. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. I'm so pleased to hear that. I remember walking, I have this really distinct memory of walking um, around the lighthouse area where um, in Newcastle with you and we were talking, it was years ago and um, we were talking about Facebook groups and you were telling me that you found that once you, your group got to a hundred people that people started to jump in and help one another out inside the Facebook group. And um, it was kind of like this tipping point number where it took some of the pressure off you. I've always remembered that really clearly. (laughs) But you know, I've had upper limits around different phases of the group too. I remember, you know, I think we're about 5,000 now, but, and I felt a bit of a stagnation this past year around that number. It was kind of always hovering up four and a half, 5,000 people. And then, you know, people leave and they come back. Mm. Um, and I realized that at the way it was running, I could not sustain any more than that mm. because it just felt like such an energetic um, space for me to hold that I couldn't hold anymore. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was looking forward to, you know, this year I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to make sure that this group can survive without me being the bottleneck. I don't mm. want to hold, you know, that back, that group back from the work that, that that needs to do in the world. And some of that is working with Hero Boga. Mm. She talks a lot about the soul of your business and it's separate to yours. It's separate energy. And my business wants to help tens of thousands of people. Mm. Um, and just because I can't, you know, hold space for that many people necessarily, doesn't mean that the business should be held back from that. So there's a little bit of a detangling of energy from mm-hmm. myself and my business because it is separate. Yeah. And yes, I'm the face of it and I'm the, you know, the person who runs everything, but I don't need to like control that group. Mm-hmm. And I, right at the start of the year, I had a massive epiphany around this as well about letting people have their lessons and not try and learn their lessons for them. Mm-hmm. And there's a very specific lesson that comes up a lot. Um, it's not in any of the assignments of Money Bootcamp, but it's something that comes up when 
some people go, oh, you know, I posted something and nobody responded. And I know it's an old story. This is like an old story that's like from high school about Mm -hmm. nobody likes me and blah, blah, blah. And I used to try and um, like like hold them from that pain. Mm. And I'd be going through the group and like answering every single question so no one felt left out. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes people need to feel left out again so they can be reminded that that is an old story that they need to to heal and clear. But I was like, let me hold your pain for you. I don't want you to have to go through that. But they need to go through that. So that was a big epiphany. Mm. Yeah, wow. I can relate to that. Um, Definitely feeling energetically like you don't want people to feel left out. Um, Totally. I'm interviewing Hero next week. I'm so excited about her new book as well. Um, and I just adore her. I just adore her. <laughs> yeah, so She's that's beautiful. Oh, let me tell you a story about Hero, though, because... Um, I love this story. I think it's a story you're going to tell me. <laughs> tell me, tell me about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was a couple of years ago and I had a session with her and I said to her, what do I need to do? And she goes, Denise, you need to put down roots. And um, so I was like, okay, I'll go buy a house. But Because she was like, Denise you remind me of a lover I had in my 20s. He would come over but never take off his coat. And I was like, I just had chills listening to that because (laughs) I am someone, I do not like to commit to anything Mm. and anyone. Mm. Um, Even with my, you know, my Facebook group, it's been there for six years, but I remember thinking, I don't want to make this a membership with ongoing fees because I want to be able to have the option to leave at any time. Mm. You know, and she's like, you're ready to pack up your tent and leave. And I just thought, oh my God, I didn't even have bedside tables when I first had that session with Hero. It was too much to commit to, to have the bedside tables. I never put art on my wall because we always moved, you know, every six to 12 months. Mm. And so I bought a house straight after speaking to her and it was the wrong house it was like three houses ago but um (laughs) I speak to her about every 18 months and I whenever I speak to her I'm like okay hero so I'm pregnant again and I want to buy a house let's talk about it um and she's just yeah she's wonderful I know everyone listening is gonna absolutely love she's so gentle and loving and beautiful yeah yeah I love that story so much. Time to put down roots. You remind me of, yeah, I love her. Well, the other thing that she said, actually, which was so interesting, she goes, Denise, I could see you have 50,000 people in your boot camp group. And I remember thinking, how am I going to hold all of those people? You know, I almost had a vision of myself wearing this backpack that went up into the sky, you know, like a skyscraper on my back because I could not imagine that. And so she helped, she was like, just put down the backpack. And let it grow by itself. And I was like, oh, <laughs> cool. This doesn't have to be on my back. And that's, I think I still need to learn that lesson, you know, because I'm still, I feel it energetically where I'm like, oh, I can't have too many people in there. They'll tag me all the time. No, they won't. You just mm. set the boundaries and let them, you know, even thinking I have to re-update the content every couple of months. I'm like, no, the content's great. Yeah. The content's fine. People have to come through and go through that journey where they're at not where I'm at yes what about me Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's exciting and do you take time off Denise and if so what does it look like and how do you plan for it sounds like you're going to take time off over Christmas this year that's exciting (laughs) I'll have to admit I'm not good at taking time off um one of those reasons is because I think social media has made it really hard to completely Mm. switch off um Mm -hmm. You know, my life is my business. My business is my life online in a lot of ways. Um, the other reason that's hard for me to switch off is because I'm married to someone who also finds it hard to switch off. Even mm. he's way worse than I am. 
he's the opposite of a chillpreneur. He like really <laughs> stresses about everything. <laughs> Mark's, um, Mark's highly productive, isn't he? He's hardcore. Isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he's hardcore. So, you know, we'll be going to bed and he'll be like, oh, you didn't approve that sales page that I sent you. And I'm like, ah. I'm going um, to sleep, darling. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I've so, got people, I've got babies to worry about in Yemen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. The honest answer is I don't a lot, but it never feels, I don't consider myself a busy person, um, even though I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, on constantly. Okay. One habit that I am working on is not being on my phone as much. So I've set it in my settings now um, where I can only have four hours of social media a day. Mm. And you can set that up, you know, on your iPhone because I was on seven hours a day when I did the work on it. And I was thinking, I'm not reading as much as I used to. Mm. And, you know, I find a bit, it'd be hard sometimes to leave the house mm. at home a lot or seeing my friends and yes I, I could definitely improve in this area and I think it's gonna be a real game changer for me when I do it it's such an interesting thing though isn't it like um because I don't it's not about making yourself wrong for it because then it just makes it harder <laughs> to, to put it down I've found um but sometimes there's seasons in your life where if you're still checking in with yourself as you go and um, make, not sh- not wearing yourself out, like you say, you're not an overly, overly busy person, um, you can continue to quite happily create, particularly if you're a very, um, you know, achiever sort of person. Mm. Um, and, it, and it can be quite lovely. I'm looking at this next Christmas break and I was thinking that I would take two weeks off completely. Um, but I'm taking two weeks off from client calls and any things that's scheduled. And I'm just going to give myself permission that if I feel, um, actually Cassie Mendoza Jones had this really beautiful distinction. She's like, if on the weekend I feel enthused and energized that I want to write something down or do something on my business, then I'll do it. But if it's coming from an energy of feeling like lack and that I'm going to miss out or it's, um, you know, striving, then I, I give myself permission to rest and switch off. And I thought that's such a wise distinction. So beautiful. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'll just be honest. I really do suck at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and often too, I'm taking a break, but it's, it's um, what I call a fake break. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark's good at this fake break thing where he's like, Oh, but you're not running a course right now. And I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're on my case. So it's mm-hmm. not a real break. It's a mm-hmm. break you know, from the outside, it looks like I'm taking a break, but I'm not having a break from you. (laughs) Like to do list. And he can do that. He can handle that kind of thing. But I feel like I just, in this, this next year, I need to read more and I need to have a bit um, pleasure. I I mean, I go to the movies every week. That's a brilliant one for me, but um, like like leave the house a bit more, go for a walk, um, Mm. do non-businessy stuff. That's why yeah. Granny Club has been so much fun. We forget to Instagram it because we're just in it. You know, yeah. no one's using it for their business. Oh, look at me! How good I am having a you know a break. A granny Club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Look at my <laughs> wonderful creative time off. Yeah, um, and I mean, I've spoken about it on podcasts recently, but I always forget to Instagram it. And I'm so happy when I do mm. that, even yeah. though I think, oh, but I should use this to, you know, to inspire other women to take breaks as well. <laughs> Maybe I will, but. It's yeah. nice sometimes to give yourself permission that this is this is just for me too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this isn't performative mm. um, creativity for someone else, which is tricky because we want to share with other women. You know, we want to we want totally. to get what we get and totally get lessons out of what we what we have. But learning, it's, yeah, 
Mm. Yeah, exactly. Here's my learnings about this, but Mm. sometimes it's okay just to have things for ourselves, which is almost why this year I didn't blog a lot because I just felt like I had nothing new to say. I was like, I've got 300 blog posts on that. Go read those. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really good (laughs) blog posts and they stand the test of time. (laughs) Yeah. I was reading through. Most of them do. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. They're great. There's some old ones, but I was like, oh, wow, that was really good. And Mm. I'm like, I don't have anything new to add to that. And that's okay. Mm. doesn't mean I'm over the topic it just means I've kind of said what needs to be said mm-hmm. and it can stand and it can help people I think a lot of people struggle with that whole concept of batching or reusing things because they think that it has to be immediate fresh to, yeah yeah fresh to be authentic mm. and what I always say to people is as long as it was authentic when you created it it's it's none of your business when someone consumes that because mm-hmm. it could be at the perfect time for them it's got nothing to do with you Mm. Um, so that's I've kind of just reminded myself of those things that I tell other people and it's so true I love that I've heard you say that before and it's given me permission and I haven't been very good at um, sharing things from older stuff I think probably because I've felt like I've pivoted in my business quite significantly over the last few years Um, but even that story is a story in my head because a lot of the stuff does actually weave in together and I decided I'm going to um, use what I've created and I've just put a compilation of that's what it is a compilation of blog posts into the a book on Amazon now and Perfect. when I was reading it, I was like these are really good <laughs> it doesn't matter that I wrote them four or five years ago they're really entertaining and, and useful and, and funny timeless. what I'm like. and timeless yeah gardens thankfully they don't change like technology Mm. <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah definitely I was wary about that in Chillpreneur of not saying you know oh use Facebook or use Twitter because mm. I thought oh my god in 10 years time I want someone to pick this up and still feel like they can get something out of it mm. when we're hologramming into people's houses that's right yes <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say is bringing you the most joy in your life and your work right now Ooh, that's a great question um, the honest answer is I think I need to capture that a little bit more, mm. you know, um, yeah. It seems like the Rose Farm is, is sowing some seeds for those ideas and, and, and the granny club, um, yeah, is a lovely exactly. counterpoint. Yeah. Yes. I probably the, the joy that's coming at the moment is dreaming about, um, my next book or, mm. or the Rose Farm It's it's having the space and the joy for me too is the realization. And this is what Hero said in our last session she said you know what you've created this amazing vehicle it's it's okay to spend a year with that vehicle looking after you rather than you looking after it yeah I'm so, so the joy is yeah yeah the joy is appreciation that this mm. year I think oh I've only done 18 interviews instead of 200 you know mm. you're my 18th of the year and final of the year mm. and it's like oh it's okay it doesn't mean that I slacked off just because this year I didn't reinvent everything or set the world on fire. It's like, oh, the, the vehicle really looked after me this year. Mm. That's okay too. Mm. And it's really lovely as, um, well, I, I've loved watching you take more time off this year and I imagine a lot of people in the community would and it, it only strengthens um, your impact in many ways because then it makes it feel accessible for people that oh it's okay to take some take the foot off the gas and and focus on something else a bit more like you have been with your children and things yeah 
Well, you know, about the archiving the group thing, I've seen a few people say, oh, I'm going to do that too. Mm. And it was oh. almost like no one thought of it before. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, I didn't think I was allowed to do it. <laughs> no, and then yeah. we do it and we give other people permission exactly. to do the same thing. So I healthy. I actually realised I was being such a terrible role model around my group because I knew so many people wanted to create groups or courses and they were just thinking, but Denise is in there 24 seven. I can't do that. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, well, how am I serving people by showcasing mm. really unrealistic yeah. boundaries? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, so many new things to always be learning. <laughs> always, <laughs> always, always, always. And um, we'll wrap up shortly. What stresses you out and how do you deal with it? <laughs> <laughs> just a big question yeah little things um like people not stacking the dishwasher properly that really stresses <laughs> me out at home but um I think the biggest thing that stresses me out at the moment is just how unfair the world is yeah. and it's like I feel it in my gut like and I actually have, have a gut problem at the moment because I mm. the last couple of months I could feel my gut churning around um, all this crap that was happening in the world and feeling so angry at some of these men who were creating such terrible decisions for the planet yeah. and it was churning my gut. And so I'm seeing a naturopath at the moment because like my gut lining is all screwed up. Mm. Um, so that's what stresses me out. And what I'm trying to do about it is reminding myself that I don't have to solve every problem in the world, mm. that it's okay for me to continue in the work that I do in helping other women um, see their value and their worth Mm-hmm. because I know that's going to have a ripple effect. And I don't think that's the only thing that needs to happen in the world, but I feel like it's one thing that I can, you know, hand on heart and know that I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I so love- I guess mm. I'm stressed that I can't solve the every problem in the world in like five minutes. And that's been an ongoing thing for you, hasn't it? I remember you talking about people writing you um, questions and, you, and then, then you used to answer all their questions and then you realised, oh, I can just tell you to Google it. I'm not, I'm not your Google. <clears throat> it must be part yeah. of your innate sort of personality that you're just extremely um, compassionate and caring um, person. Mm. I think I'm a problem solver. That's the thing. I'm like, oh, right. there's yeah. a solution to that. And I get really shit, like I get really angry that, you know, I'm like, why would you do things against your self-interest as a country, as a, you know, um, yeah, I get really stressed about it. So that's something that sometimes I, what's the fine line, right, between being informed and being clueless yes. and you yeah. know, being, when I see people go, oh, I don't read the news. And then other people go, well, that you're so privileged to not have to think about that. And yeah, I, I see that in a lot of women. We're just, we, we feel everything. <laughs> we feel like, you know, we feel bad for everyone and everything. We want to solve every problem and it's really tricky. And I know it's, it's, I know it's robbed me of some life force and pleasure this, this past 12 months. So it's something that I've got to find the balance between protecting my energy and also being informed and mm. taking action. Um, Cause I do believe activism is important too, but it's like, well, do I want to be an activist with my business? You know, or do I want to continue the business that I have helping people with their money um, so I can, you know, they can support themselves and their family and be able mm-hmm. to spend money in ways that change the world too. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep on telling myself, that's enough. It's okay. It's enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I still, you know, and then people go, why don't you run for politics then? If you feel passionate about it. I'm like, because it's not my zone of genius. I would hate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about having to we've been watching the good wife and she's running for state's attorney and um oh it's like talk about having to 
toe the party line and you know feel like you're being inauthentic in interviews and things like that it'll not be fun mm. no um and what about i mean we've, let me look here i'm conscious of the time so in in your journey i've got here how do you cultivate playfulness in your life and work and i find you're a very playful person and you've, you absolutely crack me up when you are on stage delivering um, keynotes. You've got the best sense of humor, Denise. Um, but I'm curious to hear your take on playfulness in your world. What does it look like and how do you cultivate it? Wow. Yeah. Cause when you said that, I was like, Oh, I don't feel like I'm very playful mm. at the moment. Um, I think I'm definitely beat myself up over, over, over the fact that I, um, I'm an introvert a lot of the time and I want to stay at home and I don't like going to parties and even speaking on stage takes a lot out of me I have to admit I love doing interviews but I don't necessarily um, it's not my natural desire to be on stage mm. um, I love hanging out with friends and going to the movies I think movies for me are a really great escape mm. and when I reflect on the books that I've read this year a lot of them are about behind the scenes of movies like back to the future and oh, cool. um, jaws and clueless and so movies for me are really fun and at some point in the future hopefully in the next year or so i really want to work on a screenplay and i can just feel it it's always there and i'm like oh when's the right time to to channel that part of myself or that creativity part of myself that sounds great. I remember you wanting to do something about zombies when I came to stay with you. You were like, I want to I make a, was it a movie or what did you want to do? I did. Isn't that weird? I wanted to make a, like a movie about the end of the world through a self-help perspective. I was like, there's some advantages to the end of the world. You can read heaps of books. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was super random, but um, yeah, I, I would really like to write a movie. Yeah. Write a screenplay. That's great. Yeah. And in your journey, in your business so far, has there been a time when you've had to give yourself permission to go against the grain or the industry norms? Um, I would say that when I first started my business, Lucky Bitch, when I moved to that, that was a bit of a taboo, yeah. which sounds funny now because if you look at, go and look at any bookshop, there's like, fuck it, badass, mm. <laughs> bitches everywhere. Like it's, it's pretty full on now you know in terms of swearing books even Hay House have got a few books with swear words in the title <laughs> well yours included <laughs> yes including mine yeah and um what's that guy that you know not give fucks about things or something like that but literally there's so many swear words now but when I when I wrote Lucky Bitch back in 2012 it was like what you know that's really rude yeah and a lot of people told me not to do it I had people email me saying I can't you anymore but what it felt like a big deal then but you know it kind of wasn't after a while but I think that was the only thing I've, I've kind of just taken what works in the industry and and left what doesn't yeah I, yeah although what's really interesting is because I'm in very female spaces and I feel very comfortable in female spaces and then sometimes I'll go into the like male internet marketing world and I'll go oh this is weird Mm. Like, oh, and I what I find generally is that they think that we're all just doing Etsy businesses. No offense to anyone who's got an Etsy business, but mm. a lot of the male marketing world they don't respect a lot of the female dominated businesses and they think mm. we're just 
you know, dabbling. Kind of mm. I find that interesting. Yeah, we're we're making real money. That, you mm. Know, mm. Pays for real world mortgages and car mm. payments and ballet lessons. And, mm. Yeah. Mm. And to wrap up, I'm asking all guests this season two questions. Firstly, what advice do you have for any heart-centred gentle folks who are perhaps thinking of starting a business? Well, I think business is such an amazing vehicle. It really is for you to help people and also to make money to achieve your dreams. You know, it costs money to buy a boat. It costs money to buy a rose farm. And I, I haven't seen people being able to necessarily do achieve some of those dreams if they're stuck in a nine-to-five with a fairly capped income potential. But I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs being able to create some pretty amazing dreams because they were able to get over their fears and help a lot of people. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I just i am so passionate about business as a vehicle to make your dreams come true. Mm. to be able to help tons of people so do it and also just to remember that thing we talked about is that everyone has fear so fear is not the reason not to not do it it's such a bad excuse because everyone has that excuse um and it's okay you know with with the work that you do nicola to be it's okay to do it at a gentler pace it doesn't have to look like other people Mm. you don't have to hustle in the same way that someone else hustles um, just as long as you don't let that be your excuse of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a more gentle, slow person, so I'll just do nothing. Mm. You know, just baby steps really make a huge difference over time. Mm. The other thing that I'm really passionate about for people in business is to create some passive income sources. And I am, um, you know, I know we'll, we'll probably run out of time to talk about this, but write a book, create a course that people can buy while, while you're sleeping because it's, a great way to be able to help people all the time but also life happens you know and it's really tricky sometimes with business you feel like you have to continually feed the beast Mm -hmm. but if you want to have kids or go traveling or if you have chronic health problems it's really great to have that buffer that comes from passive income sources because then it does give you even more choice you don't feel like you have to hustle all of the time so I think that's going to be a really big part of my message in 2019 is really encouraging people to um, to streamline their business so they can make money all the time mm. without having to launch all the time. Or mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a great message. And secondly, what advice do you have for any heart-centred entrepreneurs who want to pivot their business in a new direction or perhaps kick off a new project but they might be feeling nervous about doing so? Oh, yes, this is my one of my passionate things at the moment when I said about people closing their businesses down mm-hmm. is to remember that sometimes closing, it's not a failure, it's a completion. Mm. And you don't have to continue down a path because you you started it or you invested money in it, something like that. Um, a lot of women internalise those things as failures. And I always think of Richard Branson, you know, how many different virgin-related companies he's created. Like he had Virgin Brides, which was a wedding shop. He had Virgin Cola. I don't know if that exists anymore. He ate like so many different brands. And I really doubt he's sitting there like worrying about the failure of, of Virgin Brides. I think he just went, 
oh, that pivot didn't work. Let's close that down. Yes. So I really want us to see those things as completions of journeys like, oh, this product is complete now. Mm. This business is complete. Nothing is ever wasted, ever, ever, ever. You know, yeah. if, if you want to go the gardening analogy too, it's compost for your exactly. next project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the things that you've learned through doing that thing will help to um, enrich the new thing that you want to create yeah all the skills the resources the experience the connections Mm. oh absolutely once you've done something annoying like i don't know googled a hex code for something you have that skill for life (laughs) exactly just because you're not doing that business anymore you figured that out you did a sales page who cares if no one bought that program Mm. you did it now you can do it again um, so yeah, com- think of completions. It's very Zen of just going, Oh, I'm complete <laughs> um, rather than, Oh, that was a failure. And I, you know, suck at it. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. That really takes so much pressure off people. Thank you for sharing that. Good. Yeah. And finally, what are you working on in this season of your business? You've got Chillpreneur. When does it actually come out? Is it January? February. 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 Yeah. 19th. So it's on pre-order now and paperback kindle and audio audible (laughs) um and so i don't know what 2019 is going to bring i i i'm feeling the urge to prune things a little bit Mm. you know i feel like i've got 20 different opt-ins out there and i think not not all of those are good you know and even deleting some blog posts and just simplifying things a little bit to make sure that my scope is very clear yeah um, you know, when you just feel an urge to declutter and it just feels so good. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah I'm feeling that. Um, obviously doing the book tour is going to be really interesting because it's going to get, get me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yes. And I really want to do it in a very chill way. Um, is it going to be in Australia and overseas? Um, I or probably won't go overseas yeah. much. I think I might do UK for a week. Um, and well, that's overseas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I'm not hundred percent, yes. but. Okay. It's mostly going to be focused on Australia. Beautiful. New Zealand, New Zealand as well. Ooh. And yeah, I'm just like, how chill can I make it? That's what, like, the question I'm asking myself. How chill can I make this? And mm. part of that, if anyone is listening and you live in a town that has an existing networking group who organises speakers, get in <sighs> touch because it's so much easier for me to speak at someone else's event than organise my own. Oh, gosh, that's genius yeah. again. So that's clever. So much easier. <laughs> the other thing, oh, I have to just quickly share this, is I realised that... Um, Someone in Newcastle recently, she went to an author event and it was at a cinema. It was at like Gold Class Cinema. Oh. And, and it was a breakfast event. So it's before the cinema opens. Most showings start about 10.30. So she said the venue, got it, they got it really cheap because it's outside of their hours. We all had a seat. And I was thinking, there are cinemas like all over Australia. Why don't I just do it at cinema chains? Because <laughs> then they can just organise it and there's seats and I don't have I need to turn up. I don't that have to sounds be like, great. Oh, where are we going to put the chairs and how are we going to set up the chairs? Oh, let's just do it at cinemas. Like comfortable parking too. already. Yes, and you, you can know just, how to get there. You can stay you back and park. watch a movie after. <laughs> that's such a good plan. So yeah, that's my question. How chill can I make it? How easy can I make it? How um, enjoyable? How, how much more pleasure can I get out of mm. out of my life? And I'm a work in progress. I'm definitely not perfect at any of these things. Even being a chillpreneur, you know, I, I talk a lot in the book about here's some things that a chillpreneur could do, but they're aspirational even for me. So mm. let's just do a little bit of it. 
I love how honest you are, Denise. Thank you so very, very much for coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom and your experience and, um, and, and making people feel like it's okay to do it the way, do business the way that suits them. I think it's such a beautiful message. So how can people follow you? Oh, you're welcome. How can people follow you online? So really easy. My um, website is denisedt.com and that's also the same as my social handles. So I'm on Instagram at denisedt, Twitter, same, denisedt, Facebook, same, facebook.com slash denisedt. But I'm really hanging out on Instagram mostly uh, at the moment. So I really encourage people when you listen to me on a podcast, take a screenshot of the artwork of myself and Nicola, tag us both, tell us an aha um, that you've gotten from our interview. and. I would love to connect with people that way. What a cool idea. I love that. Thank you. We'll wrap up now. We'll talk again soon. See you soon, lovely. And there we have it, the eighth episode of season one. If you head over to nicolanewman.com, you can find the show notes and links to where you can find Denise Duffield-Thomas online. Until next time, be gentle with yourself, nurture your creativity and follow your heart. And I hope you have an awesome day ahead.